We're going to go to the book of Isaiah tonight. Isaiah chapter number 3. Book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 3. We've actually ordered some of those uh, books. The Bible makes us Baptist. They should be in in the next several days. I would encourage you to read the book. I would encourage you. Um, it's a book that once you start reading, you just can't put it down. It's a very good allegory with a lot of truth. Um, and I would highly encourage everyone to read that book. Isaiah chapter 3. You find it? When you get there, if you'd stand with me for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word, I appreciate your willingness to do that. If you're well able to stand. And if you're not well able to stand, God knows all about that also. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 1. For behold, the Lord, excuse me, the Lord of hosts doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. The mighty man, the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty, and the, and the honorable man, and the counselor, and the uh, cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing. <clears throat> be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be an healer, for in mine house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. For Jerusalem is ruined, and Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord, to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom, and they hide it not. Excuse me, woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with them, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. The Lord standeth up to plead and standeth to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people, the princes thereof. And ye ye have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your houses. What mean ye that ye beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of hosts. Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and making tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tires like the moon, the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the tablets, and the earrings, the rings, and the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, and the mantles, and the wimples, and the crisping pins, the glasses, and the fine linen, and the hoods, and the veils. And it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell, there shall be stink. And instead of a girdle, 
a rent. And instead of a well-set hair, baldness. And instead of a stomacher, a girding of sackcloth. And a burning instead of beauty. The men, uh, thy men shall fall by the sword, and thy mighty in war. And her gates shall mint and mourn. And she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. A title of the message tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, are we on the brink of losing God's blessing? Let's pray. We'll get started. Father, we ask now that you bless the message and the preaching as only you can. And we trust you for these things and ask it all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing and please do be seated. On March the 11th of this year, the coronavirus, COVID-19, was declared a pandemic. That was 12 weeks ago today. And during this pandemic scare, we saw churches across the country shut down, along with most every small business. We saw our nation stirred into panic by the news media, which caused people to flood the markets that were open and, and nearly clear the shelves. In a time when churches should have been meeting together, truly praying for our country, night and day we were deemed non-essential. Churches were. What a shame. On May the 25th in 2020, this year, George Floyd was murdered by a corrupt police officer, and it should have never happened. Should have never happened. And it has thrown our country into utter chaos. Our nation is in bad trouble. Well, let's back up some years, quite a few years. On June 25th, 1962, prayer was removed from public schools. Then in 1963, reading the Bible in public schools was also outlawed. There's an education expert by the name of William James. He made this statement that there is a correlation between the decline of U.S. public schools and the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in 1962 and 1963 uh, to rid, uh, rid uh, the uh, schools of prayer and Bible reading. Uh, Jane said this, he said, quote, to remove, to remove Bible and prayer from our public schools may be the most spiritually significant event in our nation's history over the course of the last 55 years. Since that time, according to Jane's, there have been five negative developments in the nation's public schools. He listed them these, academic achievement has plummeted, including SAT scores, increased rate of out-of-wedlock births, increase in illegal drug use, increase in juvenile crime, and deterioration of school behavior. So we need to realize, James went on, that these actions do, do have consequences. When we remove that moral fiber, that moral emphasis this can be the result. Um, other facts that he recorded included a comparison between the five, get this, between the five complaints of teachers from 1940 to 1962. The five main complaints of teachers from 1940 to 1962 were these. Talking, chewing gum, making noise, running in the halls, and getting out of turn in line. And then from 1963 to present, uh, the five main complaints of teachers are these. Rape, robbery, assault, burglary, 
and arson. Quite a contrast. Truly. Truly. Removing God from a society causes people to make choices that are far from right. Many today, even those that have professed to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, seem to take it lightly. Uh, the power of the Bible and the power of prayer, the power of God. God, the church, and the Bible are, are no more considered in the decision-making process of most of the people in the United States of America. They, they don't even think about it. And because of that, many poor choices are being made today. And that is really very clear by all the chaos that is going on in the cities of the United States of America. And I'm here to tell you tonight, friend, this is not a racist problem. This is a sin problem. Our nation has just dove deep into sin. And this is a problem that has on, I really, ha, I really believe it has us on the brink of losing the blessing of God. The passage that we read tonight is part of a larger text. starts back over in chapter number 2. It's a prophecy and the entire prophecy is dominated by two perspectives. Number one, a question. The question being this, when you have a choice before you, and to choose one way means certain loss, doesn't it make sense to choose that which will benefit or profit your life? I mean, doesn't it make sense to choose that which God can bless, rather than that God cannot bless? Uh, uh, doesn't it make sense to choose that which will triumph in the end, I mean, rather than that which will be destroyed in the judgment of God. I mean, the question, the question when you know with certainty the outcome, the choice you will make, why would you choose that which will not succeed? And then number two, a conflict. The conflict, the conflict between the glory of God and the pride of man. When people have little or no regard for God, when they forget who God is and how much He contributes to their lives, they get inflated. They get a very inflated opinion of themselves. They think they can do it on their own. They think they can make their own way. And that's where we are in the United States of America today. We forget that our nation owes her greatness above all else to the blessings of God. When we consider the mess that our nation is in, we don't see it really as a result of turning from God and rejecting His law. And as we search for a way out of these troubles, we're not encouraged to repent of our sins and to return to God. We, we put all of our confidence in men, men who can tell us how to fix the economy and how to restore our preeminence as a superpower in this world and how to make families strong again. We rely on our own wisdom, on our own strength, on our own abilities as more and more we act as if we have no need of God and His blessing upon our nation. We are convinced that given enough time or enough money or enough opportunities that we can solve all of our problems, meet all of our needs, and prosper our lives without God. That's where we're at in the United States of America. You cannot, you, cannot, you cannot watch what has gone on in the past several days and tell me any different whatsoever. Now, I realize that the whole country is not bad people. But if you've seen the mass crowds out there, we have to say that the bulk of the people don't care anything about doing right. 
and when left to themselves and without and when left without the direction that God will give us, they will make bad choices. Bad choices. When people believe like that and live like that, when they have little or no regard for God, when they when they when they glory in themselves instead of God, they're doomed to fall. It's not going to turn into anything good. And that's where the previous chapter, uh, chapter number two, ended uh, with Isaiah prophesying of the triumph of God's glory over proud and haughty men. In Isaiah 2 verse 11, the Bible says, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Because all that men trust, and apart from God, is doomed to be destroyed in the last day, Isaiah began to plead with the people. And in verse number 22 of chapter 2, he said this, Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? Here's the the truth of, of the matter. Man is mortal. Man is mortal. His breath is in his nostrils. So when compared to God, truly, man is nothing. And the Bible encourages us, stop putting your trust in men and return to God. Don't wait for God to humble you. Humble yourselves before God and He will bless you once again. I'm telling you, it's getting really, it's getting, we, we, we've got to be very, very careful because the devil has done his work very well and we have all of this outside influence coming into the church even by these quote-unquote Christian writers and these different things that people are reading and it's, 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 it's intertwined and it's intermingled with things of the world and I'm telling you, this was never meant to be intermingled with the things of the world. There is a God and He is all-powerful. There is power in prayer. There is power in living a life according to what God would say. There's more power in it than we realize, friend. No doubt about it. God wants us to humble ourselves. And that's where our chapter picked up tonight. Here are people that had lost sight of God's glory and they were blinded by their own pride. They had little or no regard whatsoever for the things of God. And it already had cost them dearly they had lost they had lost a lot already and they stood to lose a whole lot more if they did not turn back to God and the first loss that Isaiah dealt with in the passage we read tonight is the loss of godly leadership a principle of judgment God reminds them of who he is he is Lord he is the sovereign one he is the one who reigns and it says there in the passage, those first four verses, talks about the Lord of hosts, the supreme being, the one that not only reigns over Israel, but reigns over everything. There's no limit to God's sovereignty. He holds no borders. He is sovereign over the whole world. At issue is the fact that Israel was not regarding God as their supreme being. They weren't looking at him like that. They were treating him like something lesser. They were treating him as, as, as if there were more important things in their lives than God. I hope you got that statement. They were treating God like there were more important things in their life than God. I am telling you, friend, if that's where you're at in your life, you're in a bad spot. There's nothing more important in your life than the God that gave you breath and keeps your heart beating and allows you to walk and talk every day. There's nothing more important than Him. 
And I'm telling you, we're so surrounded by so many things today. And if we're not careful, we really do lose sight of who God is and what He's trying to do and what He wants to do and what He has done in the United States of America and what He has done in our own life if we're saved by the grace of God. Our sin has been forgiven. We have a home reserved in heaven. And then we get this lesser view of God. And so God begins to remind them of some things, some lesser things upon which they had come to depend for their security and for their prosperity of their nation. He he talks about the stay and the staff. And when he talked about the stay there in the first four verses, the stay is something which is propping up, which is holding the nation up. It's a support. A stay of bread, a time of plenty, when, when families of Israel did not have to worry about how to put food on the table, it was coming to them. God was blessing them. It talks about a stay of water, a time of divine blessing when the rains fell, when the crops prospered, when things were going okay. And, and these blessings of God were stays. They, they were circumstances that were supporting the nation economically for which they gave God no credit. They gave God no no glory at all. And God was reminding them that as the Lord of hosts, He controls the weather and He could send a famine or a drought or an earthquake or a hurricane or a tsunami, whatever He wants to do. And, and these stays, these supports would be removed at that time. He talks about the staff and that, that, which, that upon which we lean, things we have come to depend upon, listen to me, things we, we have come to depend upon in place of God to enable us to stand. Those things we depend upon more than God to keep us going. And here in the United States of America, we could bring up our military might. He did. He talked about the the mighty man, the the man of war, or the wise leadership, uh, uh, the judge, the prophet, all those uh, men who excel in business, men who excel in the community, honorable men, the the cunning artificer, the, the eloquent orator, statesmen and entrepreneurs and inspiring communicators. And the principle is all the principle of it is this it is God who gives these blessings to nation, and it is God who can take them away. We better not think otherwise. And he talks about the progress of the judgment. Actions to warn us, famines, droughts. Actions to weaken us when God stops giving the nation the kind of men that can lead them to greatness. I mean, where would America be today if it not, were not for great men that, ha, that God has raised up at different times in our nation's histories? Leaders like Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln and, and businessmen like the Rockefeller, like, like, like the Rockefellers and, and, and Henry Ford and, and, and Edson and, and military leaders. I mean, how might have World War II turned out without the men like Eisenhower and MacArthur and Nimitz and Patton? I mean, when such men are absent, a nation is led by children. Men who rule childlessly, that's what it talks about in in, uh, verse number four. Men who who rule childless, uh, uh, childishly, childishly. 
Let's say we have a bunch of rulers like that in the United States of America. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, children can be cruel and selfish. Children tend to, tend to be indulgent and lack discernment. If you've been keeping up with the news at all for these past uh, three years since we have had our president, you realize that there are a bunch of them setting up in seats there in Washington, D.C. And they don't care about what's going on in our country. All they care about is padding their pockets. They don't, they don't care about what God wants whatsoever. Mercy sakes alive. They're willing to pass laws. They're willing to pass laws that, that, that no Christian, no Christian should be able to look at it and go, well, I'm going to vote for them. They're ready to pass laws that will murder children outside of the womb. We've been doing it inside the womb for way too long. But now they want to make it where you can murder them. Go ahead and born that baby, birth that baby, and you can decide then whether you want to keep it or not. They're ready to pass laws like that. We're going to vote for somebody like that? No, it's the kind of people that are leading our country. Come on, we left God a long time ago in the United States of America. And it's led us to where we are right now. Our problem is a sin problem. And the only answer for this is God. It's turning back to God, doing what God would have us to do. When the right leadership is missing, people become very oppressive. Verse number five, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Verse number five. And the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another and everyone by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. Our society is dominated by violence and abuse and theft. And it talks about how children lose, lose respect for authority. It's, it's an amazing thing. Absolutely amazing thing how, how parents no longer teach their children to respect those in authority. Come on, I could go a long way with that, but I, I, I'll just speak for the public school teachers very briefly. I mean, the children in school, they can't even tell the teachers, can't even tell them to do their work anymore. The, the basest representatives of society behave proudly against the honorable. There's people out there on the streets of the United States of America right now that care nothing about the lives of our police officers. They care nothing about the lives of the soldiers that are out there trying to protect uh, uh, the goods of other people. They care nothing about that. People are dying out there. Because of a lack of respect of authority. I'll do what I want to do. When I want to. And how I want to. 
Nobody's going to tell me any different. It's gotten to a place that's almost ridiculous, but the only, only qualification for leadership anymore seems to be the ability to dress the part. That's what it talked about here in verse number 6. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be our ruler. Those people set up there in their offices, those people that are running our country set up there in our, in our offices, and they may look the part, you take the picture, it looks just fine. But, but, but underneath all of that, they care nothing about God and nothing about allowing God to run our nation once again. But we have to think about the reason for God's judgment at that time. We have to think about that. They were aligned against God. Verse number 8, For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of His glory. To provoke the eyes of His glory. The people, the people lifted up in pride, not regarding God as a supreme being. No, 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 no. They, they glory in themselves, acting as if they alone were responsible for the security and the prosperity that they had enjoyed. So they acted and they, they spoke in ways that dishonored God. They acted as if they did not need His blessings, as if they did not need Him whatsoever. Get rid of the Bible. Get rid of prayer. Get rid of the Ten Commandments. We don't want a God over us. We'll act the way we want to. We'll do the way we want to. We'll be the people we want to be. I'm telling you, folks. No, no, look up here, please. I'm telling you, this has, this has crept into Christianity. No, it's crept into Christianity. There are way too many people today that are calling themselves Christian, but they don't want to live like a Christian. There are way, there are way too many people today, they, they want to say that they know Jesus, but they don't want to follow Jesus. Uh, there's way too many people today that they have adapted the ways and, 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 and the rights of the world, and, and, but they don't want anything to do. No, no, and they call themselves Christian, but they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want to act like a Christian. They don't want to be like a Christian. They don't want to go like a Christian. No, 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 no. There's no reason I can't do this. There's no reason I can't do that. And there's no reason I can't be like that. I'm telling you, we see it all the time. I'm telling you what they're doing. They're acting like there is no God. No, it's like they're telling God, get out of my business. Okay, I'll call myself a Christian, but don't expect me to do all that stuff in the Bible. Mercy's sake's alive. I've, I've thought about that real hard, and that just don't make any sense to me, so I don't have to live like that if I don't want to live like that. No, that's pretty much where our nation is today. And it's a shame that it has, that it has, that it has crept into Christianity. It has, it has. And, and these people, they just flaunted their sins. 
They, they sin openly. Verse 9, the show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin is Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto the soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. They just flaunt their sins. They, they openly sin. They, they were defying against God. Their faces, there was no shame on their faces for their conduct, only a prideful determination to live the way that we want to live. Uh, because they had lost all sense of shame, please get this, because they have lost, they had lost all sense of shame for sin, God pronounced woe against their soul. Okay, if you can go out there and live like that, and it doesn't bother you at all, you've lost all, no, 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 you can go out there and sin and live like that and do all those things, call yourself my people, keep doing all those things, you're headed for hard times. A reward for the evil they had done. Where do you get that? Verse number 11. Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with them. For the reward of his hand shall be given him. You know what's sad? It's, it's sad that, that, that sin often inflicts its own punishment. Its own judgment. Its own consequences. I said it's sad that, that people go out and sin and, and they think they're going to get by with it and they think that it's okay. They, they act like there is no God and, and they're going to sin and it inflicts its own punishment, its own judgment, its own consequences. Preacher, it's not that big a deal to have a, have a little drink every once in a while. It's not that big a deal to go out and do some of the worldly things. It's not that big a deal. I don't know why you want to make a big deal all about that. And I'm telling you, I've heard that way too much in the years I've been in the ministry and then I've watched the people that have said those types of things and I've watched their life go down the tubes because you can't go against the ways of God and expect to prosper it's not going to happen it may be okay for a time for a time but the end of it's always bad the end of it's always destruction And so there was a price paid by their nation. Verse number 12, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. Rebellious children, 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 their oppressors. Untrained in godly character, they became defiant, they became destructive. We've raised up a generation that does not know God, and they are now our leaders. And more and more of them are getting voted into office, if you haven't taken notice. When people have no respect for God's authority, they lose respect for all authority. And now we've got reverse leadership roles. Talking about their women ruling. Don't shut me off. God designed every realm of society to operate on the principle of male leadership. Male leadership. Don't shut me off. 
to govern nations, to lead the home, to lead the church. It's God's plan. Absolutely God's plan. Well, preacher, what, what, if, what if men don't step up? Well, that's been that way for a long, long time. And when they don't, I mean, God has used women along the way. And so I'm not just putting down women. Please don't even think like that. But God's plan is for men to be in leadership. That was His plan. And God is saying that there's something wrong when a nation and its homes and its churches are led by women rather than its men. But it's happening, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't want to get into political argument because I don't have time because I want to finish this message, but I guarantee you that I could begin to name uh, uh, prominent public figures that are women that set up in Washington, D.C. that, um, well, let's just say that they are anything but God-fearing um, God-directing type women. And they want to flaunt that they pray. But I tell you, there's nobody that truly knows God that can um, condone abortion and that goes against authority. Oh, come on, we're seeing it all over. I'm I'm not just ranting here. I'm telling you, we're seeing this. I mean, it's so evident. And our eyes need to be open. And I, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got friends. We have got friends that don't care about what the Bible has to say. And they get very um, indignant when I start saying things like this. Thus saith the Lord. And here's how God wants it to be. And, and, and God wouldn't have you vote for somebody like that. Oh man, start an argument. I'm telling you, it's a big deal. But, but I'm, I promise you, let God be true and every man a liar. And we're seeing it. I mean, we are seeing this so very clearly. The same thing that happened with Israel is happening right here in the United States of America. And there were leaders who led their nation deeper into sin, uh, deeper into sin instead of away, away from sin and back to God. It says, cause thee to err. And there's certain ones we know that if they get in power, they're not going to lead us closer to God. They're going to be leading us way far away from God. And I'm very thankful for our president. I am thankful for our president. I know he's not a perfect man, but I'm thankful for him. At least he surrounded himself with some people that believe what the Bible has to say. At least he, at least he took note that they burned that church there across from the White House and took an opportunity to go over there and say that we're going to continue to stand on what is right from the Bible and those types of things. And I don't care what all the Democrats say about us, about him taking a photo opportunity. I believe that he was really trying to drive in a point. But at the very same time, there are so many that are against that. It just kind of quickly gets covered up, doesn't it? Our country's in bad shape. 
And back during this time, the leaders, they used their office to exploit the people that they led, especially the poor. Instead of using their office to protect and to help them. If we're not seeing that today in the United States of America, I'll eat my socks. Those people are more interested in keeping people on the, on, the, on the line so that they'll vote for them than they are about their welfare. You know why they don't denounce, so many don't denounce what they're doing out there? Because that's their voters out there doing that. And they're not going to speak up against them. I said they're not going to speak up against them because they're afraid of losing their vote. And they're going to need a bunch of people like that if they're ever going to get Biden and vote, voted in, I guarantee you. Mercy. We're in a mess, and we're in a mess because, because we have walked away from God. That's why we're in a mess. You can't tell me that if we'd have stayed close to God and stayed close to this book, that our country would be in the shape it's in. There's no way. There's no way. Well, preacher, we're all just a bunch of sinners. Well, I know that real well. I have to look at one every morning in the mirror and shave him. I understand that. But I guarantee you, when, 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 we, when we understand who God is and who His precious only begotten Son is, and when we know Christ is our Savior, and, and we take this as our final authority, it will keep us from making bad choices, won't it? Verse number 15, once again, the Lord is referred to as the Lord of hosts. The solution for these things that were happening was their recognition of God and and their giving to God His rightful place over their nation. They were suffering the things they were suffering because they gave little regard to God. They gloried only in themselves. Just a mess. And then it says this. Verse 16. Moreover the Lord saith because the daughters of Zion are haughty. And walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes. Walking and mincing as they go. And making tim- tink- a tinkling with their feet. I can't just let this pass. It's right there in the scripture. I can't just let it go. But because the people have cho- had chosen to do their own thing, go their own way, all those different things, there was a loss of godly womanhood. I said there, there was a loss of godly womanhood. I'll say it one more time. You guys can muster up enough guts to say amen. There was a loss of godly womanhood. No, it's the truth. And we've turned away from God. We've gone our own way. And we'd have to say, listen, if you watch any, any type of social media or television or whatever, you'd have to agree that in the United States of America, there has been a loss of godly womanhood. Women consumed with pride. It says they're haughty. And pride is always directed towards God. 
And it's talking, about, it's talking here about women who had rejected God's design of womanhood, who, who flaunted their sexuality, who refused to bow their necks, who refused to submit themselves to God and to His plan for their lives. And here was their attitude. This is the way it's going to be, and I dare you to try to change it. I would say, I'd pretty much say that as a whole in the United States of America, that that's where womanhood is. Come on, I'm not trying to be ugly toward women. I love women. I married one. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. My mom was a woman. I'm thankful for them. I promise you. I'm not against women. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. But it's ugly today, isn't it? Because women are more concerned about their sexuality than they are being a godly woman. If you're ever on Facebook, you see it. Women are just obsessed with outward beauty. Come on, I'm not pointing fingers in here. I'm talking about our nation. The, the exploitation of sexuality, it talks about wanton eyes. When it's talking about wanton eyes, it talks of, it, it's speaking of a, a luring and flirtatious. And it talks about mincing. And that's, that's, that's talking about how they walked in a manner that's to attract attention to themselves. Women who, who, who lavishly adorn themselves with jewelry and all these different accessories from head to toe. We won't go about reading all this. Accessories to go in their hair and adorn, adorn their head. All kinds of jewelry. I mean, lavishness and luxurious and rings and chains and earrings and jewels and veils and, and scarves and wraps. All these things. Well, preacher, I mean, you know, what's the, what's, what's, the, what's the deal? Come on, preacher. I mean, come on. I mean, lighten up a little bit. I mean, is God against beauty? Preacher, is, is it a sin for a woman to be attractive? Well, heaven, no. God is the one that created women to be beautiful. He created them that way. No, no, no. Women, women, are, women are not to be put down. Women are to be lifted up. Godly women are to be lifted up. I've always believed that. God's the one who designed men and women to be different in ways that make them attracted to, attractive to one another. Thank God. The problem is not with the beauty at all or the jewelry or, or the accessories, really. The problem was a culture in which women were obsessed with being beauty queens and fashion queens and sexy and alluring. The problem is women who, who forget that they were created in the image of God and that the outward adorning of the body is meant to reflect His holiness. The outward adorning of a godly woman is meant to reflect His holiness. Yes, 
The, the, the problem was that the women of Israel placed great emphasis on pleasing themselves and pleasing men with that outward adorning and no emphasis on pleasing God, beginning with what God saw in their hearts, of course. A, a woman that just dresses to attract attention to herself does that because she has a heart problem. It starts in here. First Peter chapter 3 verse 3 says, Whose adorning let it not be outward adorning of plating of hair, or wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, great price. Well, what do you think, preacher? You think women all just run around wear gunny sacks? I mean, what do you do? Heavens to Betsy, no. I, man, I, I, I'm, I like girly girl. I mean, I, I like women to look beautiful. I, I like for them to adorn themselves. I, I like for them to dress in modesty. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. As long as it's not all about the outward beauty. It has to start here. With a want and willingness to please God. And I know, I know, I know, I know the world doesn't value, the world doesn't value that kind of beauty, but God does. God values that. I understand. No, really, I do. I understand that this is not a real popular subject. I understand that. I do. No, really, I do. I understand. With this, man, it just rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I can't believe it. He's just down. He, just, he thinks he's man. He's the man. He, man, he thinks he's better than us women, whatever. That, that's No, 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 no. It started years and years ago when somebody rose up and said, we women want to be like men. Why would you want to be like a man? I just don't, that don't make no good sense. God has a better place for you than that. You are the completer of a man. You're to be different than men. And God has a plan for that. And it starts with the heart. A, a, a godly woman, please stay with me. A godly, a godly woman radiates a beauty that can be seen whatever her age, whatever her features. A godly woman radiates a beauty that it does not have to A godly woman radiates a beauty that does not have to show her figure. It does not have to show her nakedness. Some of you men ought to help me right here. 
her dress, her speech, her manner all say, my life is about exalting God and bringing glory to God. When a godly society collapses, women and men both suffer. Both suffer. Verse number 24, And it shall come to pass that instead of a sweet smell there shall be stink, instead of a girdle or rent, instead of well-set hair baldness, instead of a stomach or a girding of sackcloth and burning instead of beauty. The key word there is instead. On one hand, now get this, and, and think of today's terms, and think of, just, just stay with me here. On one hand, you have all the things these women have looked on, these women have looked on um, as their glory. Perfume, their figure, their hair, their beauty, the men they attract. So what's talking about here? Come on, I'm back to the Bible now, okay? Some of you stopped back there somewhere. Don't stop. Just keep following me, okay? They had all the things that these women looked on for their glory. And then it's something. When God's judgment fell, the women of Zion lost all those things and suffered the horrors of, of conquest and of exile. They lost all those things. And they became casualties of war, according to verse number 25. The women who escaped death or escaped captivity were left desolate. They had suffered the loss of everything they had. They suffered abuse. They were left without a home. They were left without a family. Really, reading that, they were left without hope. And it's terrible, but in a desperate, pitiful attempt to escape the shame and the loss that they felt, any man who comes along is viewed as a candidate for marriage. Verse 25, thy men shall fall by the sword. I'm sorry. Come on, come on, come on. Yes, thy men shall fall by the sword and thy mighty in war. Um, They had lost all the men, so anyone that came along, they were willing to give everything and ask nothing in return. They'd lost it all. And make no mistake, That's where America is headed. The total disintegration of the home and the family, the total loss of real joy or satisfaction. And I am thankful for our president for the stands that he has taken, but to say that our nation is ran by great leaders, all people of integrity and honor would be ludicrous. It's not the case. There is an an alarming 
lack of godly men and godly women in our nation. Even among those who call themselves Christian. And I don't think we realize how close we may be to losing that which we hold dear. How, how quickly that God can take it all away. Let me show you, let me show you four things in chapter number four. Now read with me. It won't take long. I won't, I won't preach, but I want to show it to you. Chapter 4, verse 1. And that day seven women shall take hold of one man. That's where I was going. Saying, we will eat our own bread. We're our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name. To take away our reproach. Willing to, willing to go with anybody at that point. Nothing to beautify them. Nothing to doll them up. Verse number 2, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. It shall come to pass that he is left in Zion, and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even everyone that is written among, among the living in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud of smoke by day and a shining of flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense and there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, for a place of refuge and for a covert from storm and from rain. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus will be seen as beautiful and glorious. Okay. There's coming a time that the eyes of the people of Israel will be opened again. And the Lord Jesus Christ will be seen as beautiful and glorious. Branch is one of the metaphors of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's talked about in verse number 2. And in that day men will not boast. Uh, Men will not boast of their own beauty. They will glorify Him for His beauty. For all the things that make Him desirable for sinners like us. The earth will be restored. The curse of sin lifted. Come on, there's coming a day. A remnant of the Jewish people will be redeemed. A, a holy people, not an unholy people. A people washed from their filthiness and the cleansing blood of Jesus. Those forgiven by God. And God's glory will be seen. And God's glory will fill the earth. According to verse number 5. For, for upon all the glory of the Lord shall be a defense. And get this. People will seek no other refuge than the glory of God. They will have given up on their proud and defiant ways. And they will only live to worship and glorify Him. Shouldn't we be preparing for that now? I mean, shouldn't we live like that now? Oh, come on, no matter, no matter which way all the world is going and, and part of, of Christianity is going, shouldn't we be a people separated under God and care more about what He thinks than what anybody else thinks? 
God's trying to help us. He's trying to help us understand that He can bless us, which is to our benefit. And, 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 and that which He must judge, which is always to our loss. He's calling us to give up our pride. To follow Him. I'm talking about the pride that keeps people from repenting and receiving Jesus as their Savior. I'm talking about the pride that keeps us living as if, they're, if God was opt optional instead of essential in our lives. I'm talking about the pride that makes us think that our way of living is better than God's way of living. He's calling us back to a place of blessedness. For men to take their place as godly leaders, to, 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 to be men of godly character, to be men who will lead their home and lead the church and lead society in the ways of God, and for women to reject for women to reject the obsession of this world for a kind of beauty and sexuality that's destroying so many lives and to embrace God's design for womanhood, authentic femininity, modesty, holiness of life. That's God's way. It's God's way. And you know, we that are Bible readers, when we realize When we know that our way cannot succeed, why would we choose to continue in that way? God's, always, God, God's way has always been and always will be the best way. It's time to pray that our country will turn back to God. But that needs to start with you and me. I mean, how influenced by the world have we been? In our thinking, in our living, in our everyday actions. How far have we gotten off track? I'm here to declare tonight the church is not non-essential. The church is essential. That's you and I. We're essential. But until we're doing things God's way, God's way, We're not going to have the impact that God would have us to have. If we're going to pray that our nation turns back to God, we probably ought to make steps in our own life to do whatever God would have us to do first. Whatever God's will is. Are we on the brink of losing God's blessing? Well, preacher, you know, Jesus is coming back. We're going to be raptured out of here any time. I believe that. I believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. But it may not be for another 50 years. I mean, things may get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse before we get to get out of here.
No, 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 I really don't want us thinking that, well, before things get really bad, then, you know, we're just going to get out. We're not going to have to face any of this bad stuff. I, I can't find that anywhere in, in the book. I can't find that. There's no guarantee of that. No, no, I'm not saying we're going into tribulation. No, no, people, people today, they're worried. Oh, look, they're wanting to inject us and put that mark of the beast in us. And this, and I'm not taking no mark. Excuse me, that, that's not till three and a half years into the tribulation. Uh, I'm not going to be here for a tribulation, so I'm not worried about that. All that stuff on Facebook, you can just... We don't have to worry about that. You're a born-again child of God. When we're raptured out of here, you get to go. That's when tribulation starts. Hey, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that. But if it comes to a time in our nation that we don't have all the luxuries that we have now, Wouldn't it be good to already have our heart prepared? And Lord, if you take away all my, my luxuries, I still want to live my life and honor and glorify you in everything I do. I know, I know, I know. I've been long-winded tonight. But we're in a mess. Boy, preacher, I'm telling you, we're in a mess. You don't have to tell me. I'm telling you, we need to do something about this. Here's the thing we need to do. Repent of sin in our own life and then ask God to do what only He can do. But let it start with us. Let it start with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for the examples that You have given us from history that we might not repeat the same things. And our country is in a mess. It's in a mess. But it's in a mess because We've pretty much booted you out of everything. There, there, there's, there's groups of people that would rather never even hear about you again. There's more and more people turning to atheism. There's more and more people turning to the horoscopes and witchcraft and Satanism and, 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 and just, just pagan. Lord, help us. As a church, help us. Convince us, convict us where we are wrong, where we're not trusting You holy, where we're not living the way that You would have us to live. Convince us and convict us of that and help us, Lord, to get our own heart right. And then to pray and pray and pray. Lord, for You to do what only You can do. We need revival. Let it start with us as individuals, please. Bless this time of invitation. Work as only you can, we pray. And thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Some have already come to the altar.